0: Americans are tired of not knowing who their politicians are as people. And we are certainly tired of being fed the same scripted five-minute sound bites that the mainstream media offers us. We need to get this country on the right track and we need to do it fast. This is an open platform. You all know that. And I'm inviting any and all presidential candidates a platform to tell their story, tell their views, and spread their word on a platform where a host does not get in the way. I'm your guy. With that being said, welcome Ron DeSantis. Governor DeSantis, thank you for being here today. We got a lot of uh, questions for you. I'm really excited to get in, uh, get going on this. Great, shoot. So <clears throat> I wanna talk about your number one thing you wanna do if elected president, ending the weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI.
1: Sure, I, I think it's, a, uh, it's an issue that strikes at the heart of a free society and whether constitutional government itself Is going to be sustainable. We have three branches of government legislative, executive, judicial. The founding fathers did not create a fourth branch of government, an unelected bureaucracy that gets to act with impunity against people that it doesn't like. And that nevertheless has developed over many, many years. And I think part of the reasons it's developed is because Congress has neglected its oversight function. They have not used the power of the purse to discipline agencies that abuse its power. And then presidents. Have indulged in the canard that somehow the DOJ and the FBI are, quote, independent agencies that they can't uh, be involved with. Uh, They're not independent. These are agencies that uh, report to the elected president of the United States. Uh, When you say an agency is independent, you're saying that it should be unaccountable. Why would you want the agencies that have guns and can put you in jail? to be unaccountable. Those are the agencies that are most needed to be held accountable. So we'll come in on day one, new FBI director, cleaning house at the Department of Justice, and that's gonna include parceling some of these agencies out into other parts of the country because I think the accumulation of power in DC has been very, very bad. I think it's politicized the agencies and I think they've really lost their way to where they represent kind of an elite faction of society uh, and they give disfavored treatment against people who aren't involved um, in that aspect of society. But I'm gonna be very uh, focused and disciplined in dealing with those agencies and we are gonna make sure we hold them accountable Uh, for their conduct. And I guarantee you, you're going to see major, major changes very, very soon. But we can't have this situation where the government is just out of control and we just throw up our hands and say, well, there's nothing we can do about it. They're independent. No, this bureaucracy has imposed its will on us for far too long. When I become president, we are going to impose our will on it.
0: You know, a lot of Americans are they're scared of the DOJ. I have friends that are that have been through it. The Blackwater guys have been through it. My buddy Eddie Gallagher has been through the weaponized DOJ. And a lot of people are scared to speak truth or speak speak to their values because of uh they don't want, they don't want to wind up on the radar. And what I'm what I want to ask you is you're getting vocal about this already. Are you worried that the FBI or the DOJ is gonna interfere in your
1: campaign? Look, uh, any of that is possible, but but I think at the end of the day, a leader's gotta lead, I've gotta speak the truth, and I gotta let people know uh, what I'm gonna end up doing. And one of the things I think, with uh, folks that have been caught up in this, that's important to point out is, when they go after you, look, if you're totally innocent, I do have faith in the jury process. You know, they, they can lose cases. I think the issue, though, is the process itself can be the punishment, because if they just decide to target somebody, uh, they can bankrupt you. They can ruin your life. Even if you end up getting acquitted, at a jury trial, everything that goes into that. And I think there should be some accountability for how those prosecutors are wielding power, uh, especially if they're doing it um, for for political reasons. And what we're supposed to have in this country is, obviously, we want to be tough on crime. We want to deter crime. But crimes happen, right? So you you investigate a crime. Most of it's going to be state and local, but there are federal crimes that are created. Okay, investigate, identify who did it, and then you can hold accountable. I think what happens with DOJ and FBI is they identify people they don't like, uh, and then they look for things to be able to try uh, to bring against them. And that is not the way the rule of law is supposed to function.
0: You talk about revoking security clearances of more than 50 former officials. What officials would be that, that 50 that fall into that category, those 50?
1: I think some of them would I think some of them would be the ones that signed that letter in the during the 2020 election saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was, quote, Russian disinformation. That was a lie. Uh, There was no evidence that it was Russian disinformation. And they were playing off their positions uh, with the intel and defense communities uh, to interfere in a presidential election. Uh, I think that that was dishonorable. I think it was dishonest. And I think you should lose your clearance. I also think that this uh, carousel of people who will serve in like the Intel agencies and then they're on CNN uh, and then back and forth and laundering information, I think it's a big problem. Uh, a lot of these agencies aren't doing a good job of keeping secrets and, and that's not uh, the way you run, run a government. So, so we would absolutely look for people that have behaved inappropriately and yank those clearances.
0: You know, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but on top of all that, you see active shooter after active shooter and all all these these mass shootings happening. And time and time again, the FBI has been tipped off on these guys and they're not doing anything about it. Do you see yourself forcing them to get more involved with 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 what's going on on the home front rather than this, 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 this rhetoric that we hear every day?
1: hundred percent. I mean, part of the reason we're doing what we're doing against weaponization is, of course, it's just inappropriate for, say, the FBI to be working with Facebook and Google to censor political speech. Uh, it's outrageous. So it's an abuse of power. But it's also just the fact that the opportunity cost of that means you are not putting effort into dealing with these bread and butter offenses. And I absolutely think that they have dropped the ball on on those types of cases. And that's where they need to be focusing their efforts. The core mission of federal law enforcement, get out of the uh, politicized topics. Don't worry about things like, quote, misinformation, because basically misinformation with D.C. elites are just inconvenient truths to their agenda. And those are the people they want to go after. So it'll have, I think, double benefit. One will be uh, people will be freer as a result of railing these guys in. But I do think we'll be able to focus their efforts to things that are really going to matter uh, for keeping people safe and, and doing it. And I think it's uh, as much as I hate to, to, to think about this. You look at how many millions of people have come across that southern border from all across the world, including uh, Middle Eastern countries. Uh, I got to think that, you know, you're going to end up seeing a terrorist attack from somebody that, that came across that Southern border. I don't think you could have that many numbers and, and not have uh, uh, somebody that has the, those ill designs. So they need to be focusing on things, uh, the threats to this country, uh, rather than the, the other things they've been getting involved in.
0: Well, that's a great segue into what I wanna talk about next, which is the Southern border. So I've heard you say that you'd like to send US forces into Mexico to combat the drug cartels.
1: How would we do that? Well, we're going to do a couple of things. Day one, we're going to declare a national emergency. That'll allow us to mobilize all available resources at the border, including the military. And we're going to shut down the invasion. We will build a border wall, which I think is is necessary. um, But we're going to reestablish the sovereignty of this country. Now, in the process of doing that, uh, we just have to face the facts that these drug cartels have been exercising more control over our border than our own federal government in many respects. In fact, in some of these areas, Biden has the border patrol off the border. They hang out in town and they process uh, illegal entrance. What I saw in Arizona was I actually saw there was there was a border wall with these steel beams and the cartels would actually cut through the fortified steel beams, run right through with all the product and no one would do anything about it. And so when we see things like that, Uh, our folks, Border Patrol and or the military, they're going to be authorized to use lethal force. If you take these people out when they're doing that, they are not going to want to move fentanyl um, into this country if that's the risk. They do it because they don't get any blowback. Now, we're also in a situation where tens of thousands of Americans are dying every year because of the fentanyl that is bringing uh, that is being brought across the border uh, by the drug cartels. Uh, that is massive, massive loss of life. I don't think you can just sit idly by uh, and let that to continue to happen. And so we'll reserve the right uh, to be able to bring uh, direct action as appropriate uh, to, to these cartels. And I think if you show that you're willing to do that, uh, you are gonna create a whole different situation. Uh, right now, they operate with impunity and, uh, and Americans are dying and that's just unacceptable.
0: Let's talk about the China threat. You consider China to be the number one threat to the United States. There's all con- there. You have us on so many different angles. They're coming up through our southern border. They're teaching the cartels how to make fentanyl. They're putting bases up in Cuba right next to your state in Florida. They own the supply chain. How are we even going to begin to deal with them?
1: One, recognize that they are uh, infiltrating our society, so do things like we did in Florida. No Confucius Institutes uh, at our universities, Uh, no CCP-influenced funding research at universities, and no purchase of land. We actually prohibited CCP-related entities and individuals from purchasing land in Florida, not just farmland, any land. I think we need to do that all across uh, the United States. Second, we need to regain our economic independence from China. Uh, this whole idea of putting them in the World Trade Organization and granting them most favored nation status many decades ago uh, has, has been a failure. They were, we were promised that they would end up becoming more democratic and peaceful. And in reality, they were able to build themselves into the dominant manufacturing power in the world. Uh, we are now dependent on them for key uh, materials and products that we need to sustain our country. We saw it during COVID with almost everything needing to come from China. We get materials for nuclear weapons from China, for ammunition, all these things that have put us in a very very vulnerable position. So uh, we need to decouple from China. It's not something you can just do on day one, but we will start, we will identify the key industries um, and we are gonna build more of that industrial base here in the United States. And then finally, militarily, look, the Chinese, they respect hard power. Uh, particularly hard power in the Indo-Pacific. Japan is b- building up more. Uh, I think Korea, India, I think are going to be going to be with us. I think we have an opportunity to have an American-led coalition of folks that are uh, concerned about the CCP and recognize the threat. But ultimately, the United States um, is going to have to do more to project power in the Indo-Pacific, particularly uh, with sea power. So that's going to require an investment, Uh, But I think we've got to do it. We've got to be able to produce more ships. They're able to produce so many more ships than we're able to right now. You know, we're down under 300 ships. We had almost 600 ships uh, during uh, Reagan's time. And China sees that as a weakness and that emboldens them to take action. I believe the way you deter conflict with China Uh, is to have enough hard power that they make the calculation that it's not worth messing with the United States or our allies. And I don't think we're on that right road now under Biden. Uh, We will be when I become president. Yeah, I don't think we're on any right roads with Biden. Um, (laughs) Amen to that. Yeah.
0: Governor, I really appreciate your time. I do want to say people really want to know who you are. They want to know who the man is, who the governor is, and I would love to get you here. Nobody's gonna give you a better interview than I am. I'd love to highlight your military service, what you've gone through with your wife and your family and your entire governorship. I would love to do it. Great, okay, but
1: we should get it done.
0: Perfect, well, best of luck to you. I hope to see you again and I really appreciate your time, thank you.
1: All right, Godspeed, thanks. You too.